Welcome to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about our one reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here's Roberta. Welcome to Seek Reality. I'm Roberta Grimes, and I'm thrilled you're with us today. You always honor me when you listen, and believe me, I'm so aware of the fact that this is a very special time for me as well as it is for some of you. Now, if you know, if you've been with us for a while, you know that the last few decades of the 19th century and the first few decades of the 20th were a heyday of communication between the living and the people we used to think were dead. Nothing remotely like that has happened since the late 1940s. Believe it or not, most people now listening were not even alive then. Long before TV and radio, many people had the evening leisure time to develop mediumistic gifts. And that was a time when those not in bodies were trying very hard to convince us of their survival. Rather than just mind reading with our dead loved ones the way mental mediums do today, some of these physical mediums of a century ago were able to assist our loved ones in speaking through the physical medium's body itself and saying exactly what what our loved ones want to say to us and often in the loved one's own voice. Many of the best mediums back then were studied by serious researchers. Books were written that were full of wonderful evidential communications, directly transcribed. It was an amazing time. When I began to do this research in the early 70s, most of what I did was just reading these wonderful old books where researchers had preserved all those early 20th century communications. It was an extraordinary experience. It became actually literally a a miracle an addiction most of the best communications that were received were received in southern england and in the eastern half of the united states all over the place really and i read hundreds of them they were all talking about the same place no copying was possible in fact i never detected any copying but they all talked about the same place the same process the same physics the same pastimes the same vegetation clothing the same life review process. It was all the same. There weren't even any outliers. I never came, came across a single one that I said, well, that's not right. They were all the same. I came to see then, and this is, you know, 40-some years ago, I came to realize it was impossible impossible for the afterlife not to be real and that's why i spent really literally the rest of my life fitting filling in the pieces so i love this period of time and even when i was doing all this research i never touched most of what was available there was so much of this work done and it's become a place now where it's somewhat urgent that we preserve all of these communications because um you know, books deteriorate. Many of them get lost. We're still finding new people from that period that we weren't even didn't even know existed. So the the researchers who are doing this preservation work are very very precious to us. Among the best of them, in my opinion, is our guest today. He's here for the fifth time. So you can tell I love him. And Riley Haggerty does this for joy, and he does a beautiful job of it. He joined us a year ago to talk about his wonderful compendium entitled Spectral Evidence 1, and today he joins us with Spectral Evidence 2. Riley, welcome. I am so happy you're here. 
Yeah, it's good to be back again. Thanks for having me. And there's another book he's just told me about, so we'll be having him again in a few months to talk about that. This one's going to be a great one, too. Riley, please, for people who haven't yet met you here, please just briefly tell us what brought you to study paranormal phenomena. We all have a reason why we do this. I was a professional musician in Philadelphia in the uh, 70s, 80s, and uh, the early 90s. But around eight, 1986, my fiance, her name was Diane Russell. She was 29 years old. She was struck down by leukemia. Oh, yeah. And it was a long process at Johns Hopkins Hospital in the oncology ward. I, you never forget it. Uh, bone marrow transplant, the whole, whole nine yards. Oh, yeah. But two weeks before she passed, she called me to the bedside and said, uh, she just called me over and she said, I'm going to tell you something. She goes, Bradley's here. And I instinctively turned around thinking that someone was in the room. Then it occurred to me that uh, Bradley was her son who had passed away 15 years previous. Oh, yes. And she said, whether you believe it or not, it doesn't matter to me. He's, he's come to help me cross over. I'm not going to make it through this dreadful condition yeah and she told me some things about him and he told her and she said to prove what i'm saying he uh, my son bradley's been bringing with him a lady mrs collins who passed away two two weeks previous and diane's mother she goes my mom hasn't been telling me this so so as not to upset me but I know that she, she died oh. because she came with my son uh, like last night, she said. And so she said, uh, tomorrow morning in the uh, foyer of Johns Hopkins, I want you to, uh, when you have coffee with my mother, I want you to ask her why Mrs. Collins hasn't come to visit me. <laughs> so I never, oh. really got along with, I never really got along with, uh, with Diane's mother anyway, so it was an interesting oh, conversation. But, but I did say to her, how come, uh, Judy, how come uh, Mrs. Collins hasn't come to uh, to visit Diane? <gasps> oh, she says, uh, don't dare say anything. I don't want to oh. upset Diane, but she passed away. She goes two weeks ago from cancer. Don't oh. dare tell Diane. So I just chuckled to myself and just, no, I won't tell Diane. <laughs> <laughs> For people listening, the, I hope you realize the significance of what Riley is saying. Someone that that his wife, who was about to transition, knew and, you know, apparently loved or cared about, but didn't realize had died, appeared at her bedside. If ever there were evidence, and this happens not infrequently, um, but, but every time it happens, we know yet again, it's impossible for the afterlife not to be real. Because she didn't know who to look, to look for this woman. She didn't know the woman had died. So that's yeah, an she, exciting and thrilling thing, really. Try, try telling a mother that her son is not standing there talking to her. Yes. It's not, yeah, gonna, right. it's not going to work. She said, I don't right. care what you believe. She said, uh, my son's here. And that's it. She goes, don't dare try to talk me out of this. I know my own son when I see him. And she wasn't delusional. So yeah. that's an ironclad evidential thing. But that is what turned me around. I actually left the music business to the shock and dismay of many. Because uh, I was in a very famous group, Pegasus, from Philadelphia, New Jersey, Delaware. And uh, 
I said I am dedicating my life to finding out the meaning of life after death, uh, its, its certainty. Uh, that was a good beginning of having that kind of evidence, enough to take me from my dream of music into a whole other realm. So here I sit 30, 35 years later, and I'm about to have my sixth published book on the subject. So I've dedicated, uh, I hope your readers appreciate the fact that I've dedicated 30 years of my life to this. Now, and, you know, and the I, rest I, of your I, life, you'll, you'll never stop doing this because you, you know, love I, it. I can, you can feel the I joy the in facts. what you write. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I make sure I studied this subject for years and years before I put pen to paper. And uh, this book here, Spectral Evidence Volume 2, is, is one of those things. It's absolutely mind-boggling, the yes. stories in here. I know. I, um, I, we can touch on only a little bit of this book, but it's sure. really one of the things I love about Riley's work is that you can feel how much he loves what he does. His books read like candy. They're 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 <laughs> fun to read. They're fresh to read. Um, mm-hmm. There's it's the opposite of depressing because you can see how thrilled he is by what he's what he's doing. And these people, I don't write. Uh, I don't write for intellectuals. I write for people like myself. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I don't try to write above and try to impress people with fancy words. I, I keep it simple, just like the music I write. I keep it nice and simple so that everybody can understand it, not just the chosen few. <laughs> yeah. No, I, as I say, I really enjoy reading your books. If they're easy to read. And, and the, what, what the people were doing back then, they felt was serious, and it was, serious, cutting-edge science. So they took it very seriously. They were very careful about what they documented and how they documented it. And that's another reason this period is so important. Because nowadays, frankly, when I was doing this work, and really for almost my entire life, I didn't want to read anything that was written before 1950. I didn't trust it. Because people then wanted to make a buck, and they were happy to sensationalize. But everything back then was so precise. So, no, I think your books Absolutely. are terrific. This one is called Spectral Evidence, Volume 2, Mind-Blowing Wonders Within the Heyday of Historic Spiritualism. Mind-Blowing Wonders. Not that you're enthusiastic <laughs> or anything. Wow. But you also say on the cover, true stories – no, the, the stories are true, the characters are real and that's also very important these are real people and there wasn't money in this back then so the people who devoted their lives to this work were serious about the work they knew it was important and the people coming through were just trying to you know say hey you know i didn't know this was real but it's real there are a number of things i want to cover and i know we're not going to get to them all but um it's okay i we'll, we'll do this a few more times um one of the things I have wondered about, and you're, the forward by Stuart Alexander touches on it, is why it is that it happened then, but it can't happen or doesn't happen really in the last 80 years. Why? Well, there's lots of theories. We've gone over this, you and I, many uh, times. Yes. I have a worthwhile theory. I don't claim to know everything. So I, all I can say is, based on 30 years of deep research into historic spiritualism, which I put between 1848 and 1958, a little bit over a century. Of course, that's not including the indigenous mediumship and spirits, which go back thousands of years. Of course. What is considered 
modern American spiritualism began in 1848 to, like I said, 1958. Uh, back then, the air was cleaner. The food was more organic. The water was cleaner. Mostly, there was no distractions like today. Today, That's, I, I think, a big problem. Yes. There's a distraction right now. You can't even, you know, get very much into this, but it's astonishing, really, how distracted people are. Back then, there was no distractions as such. The, the home circle where a child medium could develop was very sacred. It was done with a, a solemnness and beauty. And they would commune with their ancestors uh, several times a week. But in, in cases where the parents were sympathetic towards this, the child... And whereas there's numerous examples of parents that were not sympathetic towards children mediums and had them committed to lunatic asylums, you know, or the bigoted religious heads, uh, they dealt harshly with these kind of things, thinking it was satanic. But in the cases of where the parents were sympathetic, some of our greatest mediums came from that. So mainly, uh, first of all, it was not the nuclear age. Uh, The industrial age hadn't really begun Nuclear age began in the 50s, in the 1950s. So the airways are now filled with all kinds of electrical frequencies. Back then, there was none of that. So I think the dedication of, of the home circles with no I distractions. I think you're right about that. That's exactly uh, right. The, the electronic world didn't exist. Distractions didn't exist. It was treated as a very, very sacred part of the family same way that you would pass down antiques from one generation to another. Families would pass down their spirit, their, the history of their spiritualism and their family and their communications with grandma and great-great-grandpa and mediumship. It was very sacred. But once frauds, like everything... Yes, there frauds were frauds. ...mediumship started yep. happening in... Uh, imposters and then the conjuring fraternity was always trying to duplicate what the mediums could do, and they had a lot of clout with the press. So a medium's name could be destroyed just by a conjurer saying, oh, I've duplicated the, uh, the phenomena of this medium that could ruin their lives. What, and, one of the things, uh, one of the things that seemed to be happening in the latter part of the 19th century was that it became a fad. These home yeah. circles, people would, would uh, go out and fashionably dine and uh, in other people's homes, and then the men would go and have their cigar and their brandy, and the women would do table tipping. And some of those women became the great early 20th century mediums. It, yep. it, it was... It fits smoothly in because, as you point out, they didn't have TVs, they didn't have radios. Some of them didn't even have, in the beginning, electric light. So there was yeah. there were no distractions. No um, TV, but, no anything. And uh, I just, you know, uh, people, a lot of people are inclined to not believe. All it takes is someone to say, oh, so-and-so is a fraud. Then they think that uh, all the mediums are frauds. It's just this unwillingness to believe that I try to change people's mindsets by documenting what has been seen by people of unimpeachable character. If you question these people as eyewitnesses, then you've got to start questioning everything. You know what I'm saying? What good is solid empirical evidence seen by people of intelligence? 
if you deny that, then then human testimony is worthless. You know. I, no, I, I I think you're right. Um, but a, a couple of other things. Now, one of the things that people ask about is why these seances have to be conducted in darkness. And just briefly, I mean, I understand why, and I've, I've attended seances, and I'm quite comfortable with the fact that you could certainly experience them really intensely, uh, even though that they're conducted in darkness. But is it primarily because of the ectoplasm? Well, all life itself, every aspect of life begins in darkness. Everything. True, true. Including the building of psychic structures, by spirit operators. It begins in darkness because light breaks down energy. Uh, the, the people that cannot handle darkness, there's nothing you can do for them. I mean, they refuse to believe, like I said, all life begins in darkness, everything. Yes. So, including psychic structures that have to be built up, just like uh, in the photographer's dark room, it's got to start, then you bring it to the light. Although, the last chapter of, of my book, Spectral Evidence, Volume 2, deals with the medium James Dixon, Los yes. Angeles, 1954, circa. This, this chapter will blow the minds of whoever reads it, because this guy produce yes. full materializations in, in absolute daylight. broad yes. daylight. daylight. Yes. Sunlight through walking, the window. Yeah. Walking through the living room with the sun shining on the spirit. Uh, I'm telling you, it was one of the most incredible things I've ever come across. So and it, it is possible. It in the yes. Book. yes, that's it for It is sure. possible yeah, in, in some cases, and it's happened before, with uh, mediums being so powerful that things can actually take place in the light. But... For the most part, with what is called physical mediums, physical uh, phenomena happening apart from the medium, for the most part, the spirit operators need darkness to build up the psychic structures in order to uh, build up spirit bodies and voices, Yes, things like that. So, yeah. uh, uh, you know, so, everything so, begins in the dark. Everybody um, understand that the, this is an area which where there is work now being done. Um, so as you're as you're listening to Riley, know that there are people who are even now being developed as physical mediums, which is entirely different from, you know, mental mediums. Um, I don't know if you know this, but um, uh, Craig Hogan has been for more than a decade sitting in a home circle, and he now has physical mediums making ectoplasm. He has um, a deep trance medium developing. Which I think is amazing. I mean, the man has the patience of Job. It's unbelievable. But uh, that to have it happen now, to be have living people that we could study who are who are doing this and are committed to it, is really very exciting to me. gives It gives the whole thing another chance. Yeah, it takes. I think it takes. I think the spirits have raised the bar in modern times only because of the uh, intrusiveness of life itself right now with the social media and you never know who has a cell phone and uh, you never know if you're being filmed or recorded. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, I can't imagine, uh, what it must've been like way back in the day with yeah. social media. <laughs> no, right. Without so, Hey, I lived before social media. Believe me, it was a lot better in every way than it is now. Intrusive. You know, I, I don't, much. you know, I think people, People hardly talk anymore. They just communicate by the phone, and and spirit 
developing you know, developing a mediumship is the opposite of that, where it's there's no intrusion. It's taken in sacred and uh, dedication and patience, especially. My God, I mean, a lot of the mediums I write about, it took years and years to to develop. They never gave up. But you yeah. know what, uh, Roberta, you have to want that. You have to. Yeah, that's right. You know, if you aspire to want anything, to be a great writer or a musician or a dancer or a singer, you have to say, I'm willing to sacrifice whatever it takes to get to point A to point B. Yes, to do it. And if you want to develop mediumship, the spirit operators, they're not going to fool around. They they know who's serious and who isn't. If you're not serious... That's an important point. People who are not in bodies, know you much better than you know yourself. Well, they know who's serious. They know who's serious. They know serious. who's going to no, stick with it. Yes, that's why no, it works right. for Craig, because the, the people he attracts also are serious, but he's he's giving his life to this. There's just no doubt. As you are, let's talk about Now, this is your fifth time here, so we've talked about a number of these people, and I urge everybody, one year ago we talked about the first of these, of, of, of these evidential medium books um, called um, Spectral Evidence One. So go back and listen to Riley then. He did a wonderful job then. And um, we've talked about Emily French. We've talked about a number of mediums. And we're going to continue to talk about them and help you understand them. And meet you know what them. I realized last night? I, I, looked, I looked my own books up on the internet. And yeah. ABE Books, which is a really great uh, book search engine. Yeah. That has every one of my books, uh, ABE books, under Ann Riley Haggerty. Really? Uh, got them all. Because Amazon good. didn't, uh, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't publish Spectral Evidence uh, 1. They released number 2, but not 1 because of some illustration wasn't clear enough. To, oh, oh you're kidding. I mean, these no. are original illustrations, for heaven's sake. Yeah, but I know. Great, it's hard so they're all there. Yeah, they're all there. But ABE Books has all of them, and I think so does Barnes & Noble. Uh, but ABE Books, I was impressed. They had every one of them, every no, it, single one. And, and they're all fun to read. I recommend them all um, because I've read them all. I can do that. But let's talk about um, a, just an example of what a, a physical seance is like. There are many examples in this book, but we, we, as I say, we can't talk about all of them. But, for example – Edward C. Randall and Emily French. We talked about them yes. before, but let's yep. let's just that kind of experience. What is it like for someone who go who attends a séance like that? I've attended many, uh, independent boys, and it's it's thrilling beyond compare. The uh, case of Emily French, who was from Rochester, New York, and she was investigated and documented by a very famous trial lawyer in Buffalo, New York. Yes. And Emily French was very hard of hearing. Uh, very evidential, actually, that she was almost completely deaf, so she right. could not hear the spirits talking. They would manifest about two feet above her head, right out of the thin air. It is really the ultimate experience. Uh, yes. Spirits would come and and. The lawyer, Edward C. Randall, his uh, aspirations and his heart was in the right place. So, of course, he attracted to him high-level spirits that trusted him. And he had a plethora of questions he asked the spirits. And he had stenographers come in in the dark and take down what was being said. It was brilliant. And 
for 22 consecutive years. It's unprecedented in all psychic history. They had several seances a week, and the stenographers yeah. would take down everything they said. Yes. And it's truly remarkable. You'd ask them every kind of question, and spirits would come through and tell about their death experience, and it's truly astounding. But essentially, in the dark, Emily French and Edward Randall would sit facing each other, small table in between them. Soon, a bar, a band of light would lightly appear above the medium's head. Mrs. French would say, the spirits are here. That's, that was the indication the spirits were present. And then, right out of the thin air, spirits would come in and address Mr. Randall and talk to him in their own voice. Uh, it's truly remarkable. Independent voice, it's called. Yes. And, but, and now, now, let's talk about physical um, uh, manifestations that are they're constructed of ectoplasm. And yep. could you just, what would it be like to attend a physical seance? Well, a physical seance is the same thing. They usually held in the dark, medium, uh, to ensure the physical seances I have been with, I've been in, the medium we cable tied to his chair, not in a brutal, torturous way, but enough so he could not get out of his chair. Cable ties are very thick, plastic. They're used as handcuffs by police. Yes. Uh, cable tied to the chair by the uh, ankles and by the wrists. So nobody can get out of that chair. Nobody. And spirits build up and manifest and walk around the room and uh, address you. And in some cases, uh, in dim red light, you can even see them. Yes. It's almost impossible to believe, I know. But it's happened in <laughs> thousands of cases. Yes. In the books that I write, uh, there's some of the most astounding materialization mediums you could ever imagine. Uh, like I say in the introduction to this spectral evidence, too, and one, what you're about to read will most likely surpass belief. Yeah. You know, there are eyewitness accounts of materialized spirits in the physical seance. Physical seance means precisely that. Physical manifestations happening that the sitters can hear, see, feel. Uh, conversely, mental mediumship is where someone like John Edwards sits and gives you the impressions mentally. Yes. Like a clairvoyant. But a physical medium... The manifestations happen apart from the medium taking place in the room that the sitters can experience, hear, see, feel, etc., for their senses. Yeah, I think that that's the part that really is astounding. Um, and you can see them, actually, in red light. Um, but in, in more and more... It's a very rare experience. Very, yes. very rare where you have a medium that... If you... In order to have that kind of experience, we have to go back to the sincerity and the no-spin zone over the group itself. There That's can right. be nothing, yeah, nothing in the way of the spirit operators letting you actually see a spirit. There can be no BS. There can be nothing. You have to be pure yeah. mind and spirit to achieve something like that. But it can't yeah. happen. 
Yeah. I mean, it, again, to everyone, the, the spirits know who's serious and who's not. And if you try to fool them, you can't. And if you no, try to fool no. other people, they will withdraw. They won't help you. So no, uh, there, are, there are many around. cases. Yeah, there are many cases where people have had potential, but they wanted to monetize it too much. And they maybe cut some corners or cheated when things maybe they were not having a good day. And the spirits withdraw. They end up having no talent at all then. Well, you know how, you know how it is with human, human nature. If you try to get humans together to do anything, I don't care whether you're trying to form a, a poker club or any, any kind of club or any kind of meeting, everything's always good in the beginning. But then you give it time. If you, you try to get together a circle of people sitting for spirits, all right? Yes. Everybody's fine in the beginning. Let's say you've got six people. It's almost like forming a rock and roll band. I've done a hundred times. Everybody's cool in the beginning. Then, give it two, three months, four months, five yeah, months, six. He goes how about, and how about three years of nothing happening? Right. Then right. you see who's in your circle for spirits. Oh, I'm not going to do this anymore. Nothing's happening. Yes. How about exactly. how about ten years? You know? well, that's what Frank has done. I'm amazed, and he's got the the same people sitting. One of the one of the uh, we've had um, um, uh, Rob. What is I can never remember his last name. Rob Blackburn. We've had him on twice, and he is now developing into a pretty good physical medium. And I just learned, and we'll talk about it next week with Craig, that his son is developing as a direct voice medium. I think that's so Ooh. incredible, but that's that's exciting to me. That's thrilling. Mm-hmm. If you're interested, everyone in a in a direct voice medium, um, Leslie Flint is a, uh, he's deceased now, but he was in the middle of the 20th century, a, an amazing direct voice medium. And a lot of what he brought through, uh, famous people actually, you can hear uh, on uh, his website or just Google Leslie Flint and get to his website. You'll be amazed at some of the things you can hear. It's very enjoyable. I've got so, probably 65 tapes of Leslie Francis. Is he amazing? Uh, yeah, it was an independent voice. It was uh, spirits talking right out of the thin air. His little yes. spirit guide, Mickey, would come in first and right. get everybody loose and uh, feeling good. And then he brings through. You never knew who was going to come through. But Gandhi, exactly. you know, Oscar Wilde, you had all kinds of people coming through. And, Thomas uh, Jefferson. It freaked me out completely. Sure. He was because one of the I last was... great <laughs> mediums, Leslie Flint. Yes. Now, I, I, I went to his house in England. At Brighton, I went there with Colin Fryer. Uh-huh. He, 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 after he had passed away, so we, we couldn't really get into the house, but I, I stood in front of his house. But yeah, he was one of the greats. Absolutely. So a couple of things I want to make sure we talk about. One of the things that they mention is uh, all these people who died, I think, in the First World War and even in the Second World War, who didn't know they were dead. I mean, you're, you're full of adrenaline running on a battlefield, and then you, and you're dead. You just keep running. The body may be left behind, but you think you're still alive. And because I only like happy things, I have resisted mightily the notion that a lot of people get caught this way. Because if you die in bed, generally your loved ones come and get you. But if it's an unexpected, unplanned death, sometimes you don't even know you're dead. And so so the guides would bring these people who who thought they were just that something's wrong but i don't i'm not dead of course i'm not dead i'm fine they would and to to mediums who then would help them understand their condition talk about that a little bit well inspectable evidence too the book we're actually talking about Uh uh-huh we're we're hinting at here 
the, ch- the first chapter is called Am I a Ghost? That's right. I, that's why I think talking about stenographic, this. Stenographic yeah. records of the medium we already talked about, Emily French, nice medium, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Edward C. Randall. And it, it is absolutely spellbinding the stenographic notes from these seances because they would dedicate themselves two or three times a week to what was called mission work. Yeah. The spirit operators would bring people into the, into the room who did not realize they were dead. Right. And they weren't only killed in war. There was one guy who was who started trying to sell the medium some kind of bogus stock. And he was, yeah, stock. Yeah. yeah. And, he and, thought, uh, and, and it turned out yeah. he, he thought he thought he was alive, but he had yep. stolen the stock from somebody and the guy had shot him. And so they're yep. saying, do you remember a funny sound when you were stealing this stock? Oh, no. I mean, it was it yeah, really was funny. Imagine, uh, you would have to really have your wits about you to be in such a spellbinding situation where you have a medium sitting there and someone comes through. And, and some of the stories in this chapter, some of them, they don't come through me very friendly. They absolutely refuse to believe that they passed away. Yes, And you, right. you would have to have your wits about you. If you do not have your wits about you in that situation, now you have a an earthbound spirit in your house. See? You have to really have your wits together, and that's what uh, Edward C. Randall, because it was legal, he was a famous trial lawyer, so he knew right. the interrogation of witnesses and sifting of evidence. He could keep his calm while someone was saying, how dare you, compelling yes. into this room. And then who's that person over there taking right. those notes? Right. I don't want the stenographer. I don't want the... <laughs> right. All right, yeah. so... Taking his confession, he thought. <laughs> everybody, yes, exactly. Everybody, what do we get from this? Two things. Number one, apparently it happens a lot more than I have ever been willing to believe. In your book, it, they're, they're saying it happens to, there are millions of people wandering around like this who don't millions. still think they're alive. I don't like thinking that, but if it's true, then we have to deal with it. What happens if it happens to you? What should you do? If things seem funny at all, call for help. If it's po- you, know, right. you're, you find yourself standing beside a, uh, a a car wreck and you're saying what the heck, or or you're standing beside a swimming pool and you're saying I don't feel right, call for help, because if you are in fact unexpectedly dead, they will come right away and they'll help you. There's no earthly reason why you should be stuck here because that's your alternative. You don't want to be in that case. The earliest and the easiest way to to be rescued is right after your body has died. Don't wait. Just just call for help now. If it turns out you're fine and you just had a bad meal for lunch or something, they're not going to come get you. They're not going to make you dead. But if you are dead, you for sure don't want to stay here. Just a little word to the wise. Well, people, if you have someone who has no previous spiritual knowledge whatsoever about anything, right? I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that your average normal person has no idea of life after death or they have a scant knowledge of anything like that. So if you have someone, even a basically nice, normal person, is suddenly killed in a car accident and they're in a one blink of an eye, they're another dimension. Yes. They, the first thing they're going to think is that they're dreaming because they have nothing, no other point of relevance than to think they're dreaming because they can see things, hear things, but they just don't understand why nobody's responding. 
You know what I'm saying? If they, and if they see a spirit like their great-grandmother, they're going to say, oh, I'm dreaming. That's right. Yeah, unfortunately, because relevance. that is such so, a very important point. We are Time ignorant. doesn't exist. Yes. Time does not what, exist in the spirit world. So yes. if you have someone who's killed in, at Gettysburg in the Civil point. War and still be standing still there. there. He's still there. Because exactly. they don't. Because time has passed. They don't Absolutely. know what, what's going on. This is why Riley and I devote our lives to this work, because if we can help even a few people understand what happens at and after death, so they're prepared and they're able to really ace the whole process, our lives are worthwhile. Frankly, I'm going to spend the rest of my life trying to help you understand you really and truly are eternal. And if there if something goes wrong, you have the power to fix it. So that's why this is so – that's one reason I love your books, because they really help people understand the depth and complexity of the things that could go wrong and how to make them right again which i think is very important i want to make sure we talk about what happened with your wedding in 1999 now you colin fry came talk about that just just a little bit (laughs) i could go back in time (laughs) i would would not have invited half the people to the seance we had on my our wedding day (laughs) why Well, I don't know. They were, a lot of my family members who were, some of them were staunch Catholics and some of Oh, were, no, no, right. Yeah. Be- better yeah. than we had, their delusions. Colin yeah. Fry was here for two weeks and we had several dark seances. And uh, I had everybody, they watched me cable tie uh, Colin to the chair and, and we darkened the room. And before long, his guides came out and a little little tiny boy came out and took uh, my wife, Caroline, and my, our hands and put them together. And an Indian spirit came and gave this beautiful, beautiful prayer in the four directions. And all kinds of stuff happened. It was so, truly so a remarkable. Little boy, oh, a little boy came and put your hands together? This is a little boy in oh, yeah. spirit. Child's is, hands. No question about it. Isn't no that neat? And, I don't and, accept and, anything but positive, absolute proof. I'm, I'm like the biggest critic there is. Well, that's so it. I don't so accept okay. anything yeah. unless it's positively happening in front of me that I can see with my own eyes or feel. Or I don't accept anything that I think could be fraudulent. And that was a child's hand, little tiny hand of a child, child's voice, a child. I could feel the breath on my face of the child standing in front of me. Oh, my word. And it was a little tiny boy or girl we put our hands together in the sweetest way and uh you know uh, Callum was cable tied in his chair you could hear him uh, deep breathing over in the corner <laughs> while oh. the child was standing in front of us so this happened several times he was here for two weeks we had several uh, dark stances it was really great it's remarkable but I some think- of the, you know, the mother-in-law, uh, oh, dear, I, I, sh- I wish I could go back in time. I would have had only about five people. <laughs> right. The mother-in-law didn't talk to me for like three years afterwards. Are you serious? That's so serious. That's really hysterical. That's too bad. No, I thought that was a beautiful story that you told in the book. There's so many yeah, stories there we real. can't even get to. It's all yeah. right. I, I think that the, the point you just made is another good one that I want to emphasize. The best researchers are very skeptical because oh, yeah. there is a lot of fraud, especially modern stuff. There's a lot of fraud. And because there are, there's a lot of belief stuff going on, I mean, religious beliefs and sort of family beliefs and stuff about yep. death and the afterlife. 
the fact is there are truths. Why would we settle for beliefs about the nature of oxygen if you can understand the nature of oxygen? It's a scientific fact. So people who are serious researchers always are skeptical. It's part of the job. And a lot of what's offered to me between you and me – I, you know, there are people who would like to – I solicited it almost every day by people who want to come on and talk about their book. Most of it I don't accept because yeah. it's in areas where I myself am a skeptic. I think it's it's a kind of dicey area. Um, I'm getting a little better about some of it, but still a lot of this stuff I don't accept. But what I, what I share with you on Secret Reality, everyone, I know to be true. The people I bring to you as guests, I know to be serious researchers. And, you know, Riley's one of them. I'm so glad that you're, you're, you're able to do this because these books would be lost. All this information would be gone if you weren't working so hard. Less than five, five to ten years. I mean, I, I spend years, years searching out the material and, and the research and making sure of what I'm saying. You know, I don't, I just take as much time as required. And I don't really... If it ends up being three or four years, then so be it. But I don't give up until I have something that I know is legitimate. Yes. Instead of, you know, instead of these little, you know, your armchair critics or the Wikipedia search or, you know, a lot of people don't, they don't go the limit. They, they just proclaim their, their critique, especially about spiritism and about mediums. They don't, they don't know what they're talking about. And even some of these psychic researchers, they don't know what they're saying. Because they have yes. not done the research, it takes years to find the to find the guts of the story before you pass even, judgment. That's right, and even very interesting and and real areas, for example, near death experiences are wonderful, genuine, oh, yeah. terrific experiences, but they have nothing to do with death. Even um, I had we had Raymond Moody on last, but almost a year ago, and he made a point. I didn't call them death experiences; I called them near death experiences because they don't have anything to do with death, and they don't tell you anything about what happens during a genuine or after a genuine death. But try telling all these people who are sure they died that they didn't die, or else they couldn't be talking to yeah. a stand in there. Right. Right. I mean, that's that's the kind of precision that's really important because if we believe something that people want. Us to believe but it's not true it skews everything else if you believe that those people have actually gone to where the dead are then you believe things about the afterlife which are absolutely proven to be untrue well, and that's to someone <laughs> you talk to somebody who has died and come back yes and they have a look in their eyes and they have an assurance in what they're saying a conviction that cannot be shaken and that is how that was what my fiance had when she told me her son came to visit her at Johns Hopkins Hospital, she right. had that look, that conviction of... Well, she was, he was standing there. He now was, I know, and no one yes. can talk me out of this. Yes. No one. And, and it's you're true. fooling yourself. That, you don't yes. believe me, she said. Not me. It's, you're fooling yourself. But see, she, she, that was not a dear death experience. That was somebody standing in the room, and she knew that was real. No question about it. A near death experience is very real, too. It's a wonderful experience. And it easily proves that your consciousness survives and it can exist apart from your brain. But, but, yes, but the important thing is. When you talk about uh, there, there's one fellow, uh, uh, Heaven is for Real. I can't remember the, the guy's name, um, and he 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 was a kid, and his father was a minister, so they gave him all these religious experiences, and then he came back and he you know wrote the book, but he had it was a near death experience. 
he was not where the dead are. They they had a lot of fun giving him all kinds of religious experiences to comfort him and make make it so when he went home again to live his life, he would not believe what was not true. Um, be, uh, you know, to to his father, to his culture. Sure. But it's that's not like that in the afterlife at all. There's nothing religious in the genuine afterlife. Nothing. Religion is all man-made. There's nothing like it. That's the one thing that I've realized in all my research is that every spirit comes back, especially who were of the religious frame of mind. Yes. And every single solitary one, within 30 years of research, 30, every one said nothing they said is true. Nothing. Right. That, that, that's, that, that was one of the hardest experiences I ever had. It caused a crisis of faith like you could not believe because I tried oh, so course. hard to make Christianity be real. I was such a Christian. And sure. the, the thing that made it okay for me was that it turns out Jesus is definitely real. We can confirm that now. The dead help us confirm it. But nothing about the religion is. I'm okay about it now, but boy, it took me a while. It took me a while. I can't believe we've already reached the end of our time. We'll be doing this again probably sometime in the latter part of the fall to talk about this brand new book that's about to come out, which I'm excited about. But um, Riley, I'm so pleased that you're doing this work and so grateful. We all owe you a debt of gratitude that you're working so hard at you. Thank you. I'm always honored and it's a privilege to come and talk to you. We always have fun, don't we? We do have fun. Well, consider <laughs> yourself hugged, Dale. We'll talk soon. And everyone, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. I'm really glad you could be with us today. But please never forget that you, you in particular, are a powerful, eternal being. You never began. You never will end. And when you really get what that means, it changes everything in your life for the better. Next week, our guest for the 28th time in six and a half years will be our wonderful friend, Dr. R. Craig Hogan. I think Dr. Hogan is the most spiritually advanced being I have ever known who is still incarnating in a body. He's devoting his life now to helping as many people as possible understand the greater reality and what actually is going on and lose their fear of death. And as you saw when Riley and I talked today, that's an important thing. Nobody wants to become earthbound for centuries. He is devoting his life to this, and therefore, he's an expert on a lot of things we want to talk about here, which is why he comes in so often. We've been talking of late about the fact that reality is put into place by and governed by what you and I experience in a different way as human consciousness. And it exists in a, in a range of vibrations from the lowest, which is fear, hatred, all that nastiness, to the highest, which is perfect love. But in fact, actually... That's the reason you're in a body, so you can learn to raise your personal vibration. That's probably the only reason you're in that body now. And therefore, learning to love perfectly and forgive completely, is is that's job one if you're in a body now. But what are the best ways for you and me to learn to perfectly love and forgive? Join us next week, and Craig and I will talk about how you can pass the lessons of this lifetime with flying colors. And I don't care how old you are now, you can make this your last Earth lifetime. This time we've been talking about with, with N. Riley Haggerty. I love the N, but we have to keep always represented to say that. N. Riley Haggerty. He's here for the fifth time, and he's been talking about his book, Spectral Evidence 2. And this is a terrific book. All the things he writes are fun to read, and they're so educational. And the more of this you read, the more certain you become that, of course, it's true. Um, I think that 
physical mediumship is coming back. I, many people don't believe it is, but there are dedicated people now like Craig Circle who are working on it. And it's one of the things that's going to, in the end, convince everybody that, of course, our lives are eternal. Um, the more you learn about how physical mediumship um, and, and the various forms of it work, materialization mediums, deep trance mediums, direct voice mediums, all of these kinds of mediums, the more you learn about them, the more comfortable you're going to become that this stuff is real. As you know, my nonfiction books are Liberating Jesus, My Thomas, The Fun of Dying, The Fun of Staying in Touch, The Fun of Loving Jesus, Embracing the Christianity that Jesus Stopped taught which is coming out in the fall of 2019 and the fun of living together which is about how we can end our racial problems in one generation for children there's the fun of meeting jesus and soon the fun of growing with jesus you can order all these books through barnes and noble or other bookstores or um of course amazon.com is probably the easiest way and the adult books are also available available to you as audio books if you ever want to talk about any of my books or talk about anything at all, please contact me through the contact block on robertagrimes.com. I do answer your emails, and I enjoy them. I like it when you have something to ask me, and I get to answer what are sometimes fascinating questions. But make sure you give me your correct email address, because then I won't have written my email to you in vain. It will not bounce. Past episodes of Seek Reality are available on webtalkradio.net, realrevolutionradio.com, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and a bunch of other places, including the wonderful, wonderful stations in the Dream Vision 7 radio family. And you can find a Seek Reality app for free in the iTunes store that will let you just automatically get them, get the, the episodes every week. If you ever wonder where Seek Reality can be heard for the first time right now, just go to robertagrimes.com and click on the radio tab. If you enjoy our weekly conversations, I hope you will also drop by my and read my blog at robertagrimes.com. We talk about a lot of things there uh, that we talk about and seek reality, but we can go deeper, which is, I think, a, a kind of wonderful and important thing to be able to talk about things a little bit more deeply. So... Thank you for being here today. We'll be here with you again next week. And meanwhile, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Please enjoy and make the most of this coming week in our one reality, knowing that you in particular, you in particular are a powerful, eternal being. And you, most of all, are infinitely loved. You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Roberta blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Join us every week as we explore what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about the one reality we all share. Knowing the truth changes everything.